0: Low
1: orbit. Hey everyone, Josh here. I'm just going to briefly jump in with a couple of things. This is the third episode of our mini-series from playwright Ellen Graham, Blackout, Time Passes. So if you're just playing this episode randomly, and you haven't heard the first two, you should go back up this feed just a little bit and start with the first episode, Spring. If we're here for the third episode, well, uh, just uh, carry on. It'll start in a second. Now, in this episode, in case you forgot, our cast of characters is our author Ellen, her sister Andrea, her mother Beth, her husband John, her uncle Hank, and her son Des. So... Here it is, Blackout, Time Passes, Episode Three, Fall.
2: I really didn't like either candidate. (laughs) I guess I'm more middle of the road. Trump had some things that he said that I agreed with. And Biden had things that I agreed with, but number one was both of them were too old to even run for president. I'm still a Republican, basically a Republican, but I am definitely never have been a Trump Republican. You know, why would you want a president that's been in multiple bankruptcies in business and then cheated? multiple people. Well, a lot of businessmen that wouldn't think of doing what he did are supporters of his. <laughs> you can understand, you can see why Hitler got to where he got to be, and where Mussolini got to where he's at, and where the Kim family over in Korea got, is where they're at, and... Uh, and uh, and uh, Putin, and that's what uh, Trump is uh, trying to be. And yeah, because he he just thought that uh, everybody would just say, "Oh, you stay on as president." He actually believes that. He that's what he wanted. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, he actually thought that. Oh, he's insane. He's he's mentally unstable. Oh, what I told p- people was, when he started all this about uh, the election, I said, you want somebody like that on the nuclear trigger? I think he's a self-serving uh, person, totally, and I, I think he's, uh, <laughs> he, you know, if I was still in the service, I surely hell wouldn't want him as my commander in chief.
3: August 20th. I grow old, I grow old. The grass looks green, but upon inspection, the grass is bindweed. Mike Nelson says the 90. 90 day forecast is hot and dry kitty eats the bindweed forcing itself up between the pavers time passes time passes joe biden spoke at the dnc tonight accepting the party's nomination right before he spoke they showed a video about a kid in new hampshire who joe had helped with managing his stutter the kid delivered a speech sweet and awkward and brave on national tv all i could think of is how trump would make fun of that kid Joe, the stutterer, gave a good speech. I hope it helps. August 27th. NBA games canceled due to a player boycott following the shooting of a 29-year-old black man, Jacob Blake, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. He was returning to the back of his SUV, where his children were, when a cop shot him six times in the back. He survived, but will likely never walk again. In the protests that followed, a militia arrayed itself around a gas station to protect it from looters. A 17-year-old boy ended up shooting three people with his AR-15, killing two of them before ambling away from the scene of the crime, rifle slung over his shoulder. Several police vehicles passed him as he walked by. One asked him for directions. None stopped, despite people in the video yelling that he had just shot three people. Hurricane heads for the Gulf Coast, One fire is contained, another breaks out. August 28th, a weird vivid dream where I struggled to discern whether it was true or apocryphal that there was a place on earth where you could dig down, not far, not through the center of the earth, just fairly shallow, and get a vertiginous view of the universe below us, an endless drop-off of stars. The first week of school has been hard, dull, Hard in its dullness. Too much time spent fiddling with the idiosyncrasies of Google Meet for 30 kids. Des is sad, stressed. I can't stand it. The sun is sinking lower in the sky as we approach the equinox, and yesterday the light hit me just right, and all the ghosts of the school year we should have had came rushing up. The drop-off, the quiet day at home, the clamor of the pickup, all those exuberant, annoying kids. Des asked last night if we'd be able to go to New Jersey next year, and I said yes, firmly. But there's a little thread of doubt.
4: My teacher would be sharing a screen, and they would be sharing something really important, but every once in a while, Zoom has these lapses, or these moments, where they just cut the audio out for about half a minute, and then it says your internet connection is unstable, and then the audio comes back on. So I would miss something really important. You, you could be in your basement next to the router, and it just wouldn't work. And they're trying their best, you know, same thing on Friday nights back They're trying their best to have the education system, but it just doesn't work because you can't have good connection, and you gotta social distance from everybody. So it just doesn't work. And, and and I'm sorry, as uh, we get approval from outside, um, <laughs> we, I, I understand that you're trying to make it so that it seems normal, but do you know that it's not gonna be yeah. at all? I, like, I knew from the start, like, oh gosh, I'm not gonna have the fresh start I really wanted. And I'm not gonna have enough time to make I might not I might have next to enough time to make friends.
0: Desmond transitioned from elementary school to middle school and that transition totally got screwed up because rather than, you know, having the opportunity to really hang out with his classmates at lunch or in the hallways between classes, or even passing notes in class, it was all done on Zoom. How, how, can you make, how can you make new friends that way? How can you find you know, where you fit inside of that complex social situation when you're doing everything online?
3: September 6th. Have I ever dreamt more about the theatre? I had written a very short piece. There were very high production values, spectacular costumes and makeup. Greater complications seemed to exist in the fact that the theatre was not public. Who would be watching? Ash gently sifts down, the sun a lurid hot pink. September 7th. This evening, around 6.30, I went outside to cover the plants. The sky was hazy, orangey-gray and dull, the heat emanating off the dead grass, but there was a cool breeze from the north bearing the smell of the stockyards, a deep, primal memory smell, the smell of February storms. This evening the sweet crickets sing and sing, even as the wind rises, whipping off the sheets I so carefully clothes-pinned around the tomatoes. September 8th. How to explain the profound disorientation of today, a grey day near the equinox with a steady rain that shifted to a silent snow. Des in online school, John working from home alongside me. It's as though it's March again in the last six months, the restlessness of summer smoke and heat, the deaths that have become almost invisible, never happened. A weird, cold, disorienting feeling settles in my chest. People in sci-fi get it right when they realize they've entered the multiverse. September 10th. These crowded, chaotic dreams. Perhaps they underscore my slowly eroding social skills. At numerous points I was paralyzed, utterly unable to grasp how I'm supposed to behave or react to the perplexing humans all around me. They say we are all losing our ability to read faces because of Zoom and widespread mask wearing and to navigate conversations. Tricky to mundane, due to our nearly six-month-long isolation. News reports revealed yesterday that Trump knew that COVID was both highly infectious and very deadly back in February and March, when he was telling people it was just like the flu, that it would magically disappear, and holding large rallies with his hapless supporters, 190,714 dead.
5: We just expected to get childhood diseases and of course a polio epidemic in 1946 and that was when my brother died and my other brother was sick for two weeks and we never knew exactly, you know, we assumed that he had polio. Um, I don't know, the doctor, he, he had originally diagnosed my brother who died with meningitis it was very sudden it was the polio that attacks the brain called vulgar polio and so he died within three days I think two or three days there was the contagion issue you know you had to sort of isolate but you couldn't I was not isolated and as far as we know I mean I was not sick at that time when both of my brothers infected with polio so we don't know what that was all about
2: I was like quarantined and Beth was too but yeah I was really scared because um, I was sick and uh, what they were gonna do was Dr. Donnelly had been in the military and he was a pilot and uh, Dr. Donnelly was going to fly me to Denver. I heard them talking about it. Yeah, mom and dad, maybe even at the doctor's office, well, if this fever doesn't break. But the fever broke. They were, I don't know quite how they treat. and I wasn't in the hospital, but they were, uh, I don't know if it's ice packs. I, I don't know. I don't know totally about it, but I remember the conversation, and uh, <laughs> it really worried me sure. about, you know, about going and that. But yeah, I was uh, I was pretty sick. It was a fever, and uh, just kind of the symptoms, and I had. Cause that's what you know, Artie. You know, with fever really b- bad and vulgar, you know, and it hit him brain, you know. Cause he was per- paralyzed. He was in a coma, yeah, real quick. So anyway, but yeah, I do remember that, and then I remember that we couldn't play with the other kids at the dairy, and that for so so long. And then, of course, other kids' parents were worried about having us around, and not so much, but I do remember something about that, that I wanted to go play baseball or something, after I was well again, even, oh, a month or two afterwards. And
3: the parents were still nervous. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah.
5: I remember my surviving brother and I each had we each had um, chicken pox and measles, and one of us got the measles, and the other had the chicken pox, and then the first one got the, me- the chicken pox and the second one. Anyway, we <laughs> exchanged viruses, and my mother sat in. The- we had to stay home from school, of course, and stay in the dark, because they thought that the two-week measles affected your vision in some way, and I don't know you know, what, what that was about, but we just stayed in the dark in our rooms, and. We had adjoining bedrooms, and my mother would sit in the dining room in between the bedrooms and read. I think she read Tom Sawyer, Finn, I don't know. It was a lot, because we were both home from school for a month with all of that.
3: September 12th. Slept poorly, crick in the neck, piercing ice-pick headache in my right temple. Dr. Fauci said yesterday that it could be the end of 2021 before things are back to normal. That still seems too soon. California, Oregon, Washington burn out of control. Fires converging and becoming one massive super fire, destroying entire neighborhoods. End of 2021 will not be normal, whatever is happening. I think whatever I thought of as normal is officially over. Restless. Daring to think about winning things, getting things, things happening. Nothing. No thing likely to happen anytime soon. All those play submissions out there in the ether somewhere. I picture them literally floating or trapped in some viscous liquid. September 19th. So warm. So beautiful. The sun's still orange but barely. 80 degrees feels amazing. Perfect. Look at the resilient human adapting to catastrophic climate change. Over the back fence, the clamor of male voices as an unseen group moves an unidentified large object. Scraping of metal on concrete. Two guys on each end. Ready? Ready? Need a little help on this side. Hold up. Ouch. Hold on. This is not going to fit. Ruth Bader Ginsburg dead at 87. The grief swallowed up by political clamor. Will McConnell push the next person through? Yes, he will. The unseen men moved the large unseen object. Closer to the house, back this way, open the door. September 21st, a loud alarm is going off. Three treble blasts, then a beat. What is it? What is it alarming us about? What disaster is due to occur? The book I'm reading is about whales and how their previously unknown world has now been penetrated by human influence in pretty much every respect. She writes about noise, underwater noise, but also regular human activity noise, how it's becoming louder, and sirens grow louder accordingly, and also, perhaps, alarms. From where I sit on my back porch on this cool-for-now last day of summer, highs in the upper 80s, smoke on the I-25 corridor, high ozone levels, people with respiratory conditions should stay inside and air conditioning, I can hear the roar of the highway and the alarms still blasting, The fan in Dez's window, a few stray birds, passing cars. It's loud. Dreamt this morning about crushing crowds for a Christmas-themed planetarium show. The alarm goes on and on. September 22nd, first day of fall, the third season where we have been in this. Though it remains hot and summery, I'm really not complaining. I get so cool in the house at night now, by the time the afternoon comes, it feels good to bake in the hot, orangish afternoon sun. I heard on the radio a few months ago about how humanity's resilience is only good to a point. Beyond that, it allows us to adapt to unconscionable things too easily. As I contemplate the orangish sun and the weird milky sky, the hypocritical, morally bankrupt mud-wrestlers in Washington, The ash tree in our neighbor's backyard that is most certainly doomed to be devoured by beetles, cable news, the plastic-filled oceans, 199,789 deaths from the coronavirus. And yet I sit and drink my coffee, enjoying the cool morning. I tend to agree. There is no way for me to hope that the world will be saved. Rather, that we will save it. In the book I'm reading, she lists various beached dead whales and the contents of their stomachs. Ropes, nets, plastic bags, cookie wrappers, receipts, an entire greenhouse. Hard to see the point of switching to glass containers, me, out of however many billions. But shitty, lazy thinking like that got us here.
4: see, humans, they get used to it. They take things for granted. They take things for granted until it uh, gets shooken, shaken up again. So that, that's that's what's going to happen. It's in human nature to get used to something and be surprised when it doesn't happen. So eventually, eventually a new disease is going to come along. It's just going to happen. We can't control that. And we're going to be thrown off our path again. And we're not going to be expecting it. Because by then, we would have taken more more and more things for granted, just like we had in
3: 2019. September 26th. Much talk this week about Trump and his refusal to agree to a peaceful transition of power, should he lose. Also, rumors of RNC-backed militias patrolling polling places. Concerns Trump will declare victory on election night, long before all the ballots are counted. Discussion among legal scholars about how all this could unfold in the courts, and some scenario where state legislators could disregard the popular vote entirely and appoint electors on their own. John and I discussed this loudly and at length in front of Des. Last night he seemed worried after one such discussion. Not long after, he crumpled into tears, worrying. I apologized, told him we would be more careful from now on. This is no game to him, or to any of us really. I will not watch TV on election night. I'm considering roofying myself. When I proposed that to John, he said, you'll have to sleep for three months to miss all the wrangling he meant. Wake up on Inauguration Day and see who walks up to the mic and lays his hand on the Bible. September 30th. Sun glowing pink this morning, when I went out to the car, it was covered with ash. Even now, it sifts down, tiny flecks on my black trousers, as Cameron Peak continues to burn, over 124,000 acres, 21% contained. October 1st, 2020 slipped through my fingers, slept like a rock last night for the first time in a while. The dwindling daylight and the finally cool, cold air, and the fact that the first presidential debate occurred last night wherein what's-his-face, plump and shiny orange, karate-chopped the air, shouted over Biden, interrupting him constantly, refused to acknowledge the death of Biden's son, spewed lies about President Obama's record, referred to himself in the third person like only assholes can, declined to condemn the Proud Boys, instead asking them to stand by, which he now claims means the same thing as stand down and industriously attempted to sow his usual seed of distrust in the integrity of the election. Point inexorably toward the end, the end of 2020. I flip another blank page on the calendar. October 2nd. Trump and Melania have COVID. Trump and Melania have COVID. Biden has pulled all of his negative advertising in the wake of Trump's diagnosis. Trump has not. Cold morning. Air has cleared a bit, but the sky is still a Midwestern blue, not a Colorado one. Watching movies and TV set elsewhere has become so essential. The rolling green hills of the Great British Bake Off and Enola homes. Crowded city streets and noodle shops in burning and mother. Large threadbare 1960s apartments with bright decorative tile and other details that make the space look unfamiliar in The Salesman and a separation. The expansive, symmetrical public parks and crowded Hasidic celebrations and unorthodox. Blank Italian beaches and elegant London bars in I May Destroy You. My eyes' brain can't get enough of this change of scene, even when the writing is trite the acting is stiff. I can stare at the buildings, the trees, the garbage by the road, the ugly apartment blocks, the trays of lurid glazed pastries in a Tehran bakery. The gleaming mink hats of the Hasidic men. The blocks of pale stone edifices that mean London. October 9th. Dreams about theatre, about plays performed on the sidewalk with a crush of people all around. Plays set in houses with wonky thresholds that present a tripping hazard. Plays set on life sized ships lined up neatly behind the bright-eyed box office worker willing to take your money. As the sun rises later, we wake up later and later like our rural forebears did before modern time descended. Once school starts in a week, you will have to start setting the alarm again. October 13th. Seven months since Des's last day of school to the day, and we learn from unofficial sources that the in-person classes for DPS are delayed again, Until November 9th at the earliest, instead of next Wednesday. We can do hard things, right? Right.
4: Normal stuff that I was doing before uh, quarantine, like, it was going on and off. And it was, it would have been better if it had just been all off. But I was so confused because it kept being like, oh, maybe, but no. Um, And oh, maybe, but yes. So I was just switching back and forth.
3: Like with when, when we thought that school was gonna start at a certain time and that it didn't start, like all that stuff. Right. Like oh we're gonna go now. Oh we're like, get pushing it out.
4: It, like it was in mid October. They're like, we're gonna do half and half, and they had all these plans sorted out. But then Colorado had all these uh, new cases, uh, mainly from young adults, and they postponed it to November. And then they just played it safe and postponed it to, uh next year, like, uh, end of winter-ish.
3: October 17th. Buena Vista. Long, empty hike and ankle-deep dust. Aspen's mostly bare, but with an occasional bright yellow or copper display. In one case, a tree was entirely bare except for a single leaf, bright gold, alone and quaking. Tonight, a ghost and murder tour down Main Street. I tried to be reverent of the short life of Nicola, an Italian immigrant who stabbed an Irishman in the stomach twice and was publicly hanged. A Felipe Esposito, who swore to avenge the deaths of his family members during the Mexican-American War by killing 100 Americans for each of his slain family members, 600 total. 26 of corpses appeared over time, hacked apart with an axe, one missing a heart at which time he wrote a letter to law enforcement saying something to the effect of, 26 down, 574 to go. He died, throat slit and head cut off by a bounty hunter. His head ended up in a jar that was placed on various desks before an outraged Rocky Mountain News employee found it in the basement archives, and it was finally buried. I revere and honor you, brave, complicated, grieving, angry, dead human beings. October 22nd. Dark morning, smells like the stockyards, another abrupt change in the weather coming. Woke early this morning, seized by sadness. That Des only has science with his wonderful science teacher this semester, so he may never get to take her class in person or do experiments in a real lab. Sadness at the weather changing, darkness coming, sadness about climate change. It's supposed to snow over the next few days, but even that won't be enough to end the fire season. Sadness that I haven't written anything truly good in forever.
4: The politics was really shitty. Just maddening, just making me shriek, you know? That was bad. But I would say the worst thing is the cumulative. The grind, I think, is the hardest thing for me. And it's partly because of the aforementioned adrenaline's gone, all other reserves depleted, and yet it goes on right so it's, i think it's the cumulative stress anxiety sadness all those things
3: october 25th frigid day steady sifting snow only left the house to lug the hummingbird container garden into the shed a good weekend accomplished all the tasks except for finishing cosmos I seem to need to read each sentence several times to comprehend it. What was before the Big Bang? Possibly a mathematical point, a pin without a pinboard. How? How? Then I think about infinite space, try to really think about it, and a wave of vertigo passes over me. When I was a kid, I pictured the before as an endless solid object, but that is also impossible. Carl Sagan suggests thinking about the expanding universe as something we are inside, like a bubble with grid lines and expanding out, out, out. But what's beyond the surface tension of the bubble? The infinite solid object, the infinite wall. Sometimes I feel a weirdly gentle tide of sadness, of worthlessness, the feeling I have lost it, that I am diminished and purposeless. But usually that wave is followed by another wave, one of practicality. The quotidian bonds I have, this body, this person I am, with the creatures and objects around me, my fellow stardust. October 26th. I have not noted the number of coronavirus dead lately because, as I feared, I have become numb to it. So here it is 225,156 human beings lost. About 222,000 more than we lost on September 11th, 2001. Eight degrees. Dark. Silent. Hard coating of snow on everything. October is nearly over. Blackout. Time passes. The election is a week from tomorrow. Republicans ran through confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. Will she do her patron's bidding? How I hate her high, nasal speaking voice and her unthreatening, demure addresses. Will she shock us all? She could hold her seat for 40-plus years. She will preside over an underwater court, a corroded-by-toxic-waste court, a riddled-with-bullets-from-battles-and-then-civil-war-to-come court. To be in power in America will lose its savor when America is all the bad parts of sci-fi. Flooded, desertified, factionalized. Miserable. October 28th. Cat woke me at 3 a.m. and I couldn't fall back asleep, so I went downstairs and finished Cosmos, finally. Victoria settled heavily in my lap and slept while I read the final chapter. Who speaks for Earth? Not nations, religions, people, but for Earth. The inevitable announcement that school will not resume until 2021, in person, that is. But they had no choice, really. Case counts are rising rapidly. There are now more people hospitalized than there were at the so-called peak in May. Denver was placed on more stringent restrictions by the state yesterday, one level above stay-at-home. This after a day marked by bright, anxious fury about Trump, McConnell, their supporters, all of them. What will a Trump loss mean if the Republicans hold the Senate? The endless hamster wheel points and counterpoints as I bake Halloween cookies, pumpkins, bats, skulls, my fingers black with food coloring. October 30th, exhausted, Friday night, feeling drawn and worn under my caked-on Effie trinket makeup put on for Friday night FaceTime with Andrea and Billy, who dressed as Wolf Grandmother and Little Red Riding Hood, respectively. Andrea was elected a fellow of the American Academy for the Advancement of Science, laughed over Billy's weird dreams and a commercial they saw for the shingles vaccine, and talked about our dread of Tuesday. Email from Merrill Middle School informed us there will be mental health professionals available for students to talk to all day on November 4th. Biden ahead in most polls, but it's impossible to feel certain or confident. What will we do if he wins again? Mum asked Liz what she was doing on election day. Getting my gun and going to the polls, of course. November 2nd. Yesterday, driving to Mount Falcon, we saw a red pickup on the side of the road, bearing multiple flags, tightly furled, but I could identify the familiar Trump-Pence font on the few letters visible. Then on the way back, driving south on I-25, noticed heavy traffic going north, then one Trump-flag-bearing truck, then another, another, turned out to be a rally-slash-parade that started at Bandamere Speedway and made a rough rectangle around the city center. I read later there were thousands of participating vehicles from all across the state. What will I do, we do, if he wins again? We won't drop dead. The world won't explode. But how can we withstand another four years of such chaos and disruption? Photos in the New York Times of people fighting in Times Square, like fist fighting. I get out the vote rally in North Carolina where attendees, including children, were pepper-sprayed by police. What's coming? What's coming? The FBI currently investigating an incident in Texas on Saturday where a bunch of vehicles flying Trump flags boxed in a Biden-Harris bus on the highway. Trump crows at his admiration of the incident on Twitter. What will I do if tomorrow night ends with that wide, florid face, that cottony drift of hair, those suspiciously regular teeth with a big green check mark next to it? And election night is just the beginning. It is the first night of the next phase of history. 24 hours. Beginning of the end, end of the beginning, of good or of ill, of which story, which future? 24 hours until the door is cracked open and we can peer inside. November 3rd. A walk at sunset. A warm evening near 70 degrees. The clouds smeary, vivid, bright orange and pink from the Colorado Station Bridge. A woman took her trash out. A redhead in a red dress wearing a blue surgical mask arrived home from work. I walked over that bridge many hundreds of times when I was a commuter, and the only graffiti were juvenile defacings of the public art. Now the concrete says, justice is law. Justice for Elijah. Other unknown messages crossed out with black spray paint. A flag bearing a Trumpian drift of yellowish hair with a single word, nope, fastened to the bridge with zip ties. I finally returned Cosmos to the library. I finished it a while ago, but I had a hard time letting it go. Carl Sagan talks about how the only thing preventing us, and by us I mean everything that exists, from crumbling instantly into undifferentiated dust, is the negative charge of electrons repelling each other, keeping my body, my genes, the concrete step I'm sitting on, this pen, distinct. To be alive is something precious. Almost impossible. Pretty much magic. Ten to the Googleplex is exactly as close to infinity as the number one. Thoughts before wrangling into the next phase. We are all so small and breakable. Today I read in the New York Times about a 60-something woman who voted for Trump because we need a businessman to get us out of debt. She is small, flawed, breakable, doomed. As am I. Trump has won Florida. I watched the returns for about 10 minutes total and realized I can't do it. I can't. If he is reelected, the fight will continue. If he loses, the fight will continue. November 4th. Slept for about 90 minutes or so, then woke up amped and nervous. Finished the Ruby Ridge book, as good a window into why white Christians hate their white Christian government as any. Tried to fall back asleep, couldn't so learned that Trump, as he promised, claimed victory, stating he would go to the Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. This is a major fraud in our nation. We did win this election. Yes, the sun came up, yes, yes. But this is the president my father might die under. This chaos bringer, nihilist, arsonist. But the election is not over. But the pandemic isn't either. But, but... Bit by bit, drib by drab, the Electoral College votes for Biden tick up over the course of the day. More states on the map turn blue, just like the pundits said they would. Trump furiously filing legal actions, his desperation not quite naked, not yet. Biden 253, Trump 214. November 5th. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Trump supporters in states where he is behind, thronging the drab government buildings where the votes are being counted, chanting, count the votes. Trump supporters in states where he's ahead, thronging the drab government buildings where the votes are being counted, chanting, stop the vote. Trump held a 16-minute press conference. No questions were taken, wherein he blamed Democrats, the media, and tech giants for stealing the election, claimed fraud, railed against the ballots that are appearing out of nowhere the mail-in ballots that are now chipping away at his lead. Case in point, on election night, Trump is up by something like 300,000 votes in Georgia. Now he's up by about 1,700. Chip, chip, chip. Watching CNN tonight, we devised a game where Dez had to do 10 jumping jacks when John King, the stodgy keeper of the electoral college map on CNN, said, count every vote, or a similar phrase. And 10 sit-ups whenever he said something apparently stodgy, but really very cutting. For example, it's not fraud that makes this vote count change, it's math. Go, math. Go in our direction. Let's patch up our grievously wounded country, let her stabilize before we send her into surgery to make her well. 120,000 new cases of COVID-19 today. Governor Polis said today, cancel your plans. So I did. November 6th. It's so warm this morning that Victoria and I are outside. The trees in the neighbor's backyard are bare. Leaves still cling thickly to the crab apples, and they make a racket when the wind blows. Biden pulled ahead in Georgia overnight. Biden also pulled ahead in Pennsylvania this morning. The lead grows and continues to, yet no one has called it. No state has been called since Arizona early Wednesday morning. Trump tweets suspiciously about his leads miraculously disappearing in the days following election day. The miracle is the vote, I suppose.
2: He's just a coward. Uh, not admitting defeat. A cowardly. There's not an election that's held that is perfect. But this is overwhelmingly seven million. <laughs> you know? And it just... and But I can't... Uh, you know, I kind of... Uh, the Republican leadership, you know, I uh, that they are still backing him. I mean, winning an election is more important to them <laughs> than call a decency, common decency. Between the uh, pandemic and the election, you know, it was, I didn't, I don't think I ever really expected to see that in my uh, lifetime. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, both of uh, of them happening at the same in the same time, and uh, I just thought, "Boy, this is really going to try our uh, (laughs) our existence, (laughs) our uh, you know, our free society or our." You know, just democracy.
3: November 7th. Biden wins. CNN called Pennsylvania right after 9 a.m. Nevada shortly thereafter. Biden wins. Trump tweets about faulty voting machines, conspiracies, protesters with AR-15s assemble outside the state capitol in Arizona. But elsewhere, parties in the streets, the kind of scenes we're more accustomed to seeing at sporting events or Elections on the other side of the world, not American elections, but a lot of joy today.
1: Blackout Time Passes is written and produced by Ellen Graham and co-produced by me, Josh Madison. I also provided sound design and some editing. Ellen Graham writes plays, screenplays, and narrative nonfiction. Her work has been produced in Chicago, Columbus, New York City, and in her hometown of Denver. That's here, where she's worked with many companies, including Buntport and Toto 2, Benchmark, Pandemic Collective, Paragon, and the Denver Center. She is the founder of Feral Assembly, a resident playwright and programming curator at Theatre 29 Denver, a co-founder of Shocking Beyond Belief Films, and a member of the Dramatist Guild of America. To learn more about Ellen and her work, please visit www.feralassembly.com. And if you'd like to get a hold of us here at the show or anything else, you know Low Orbit is on all the social media places you'd expect. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at Podcast. And we'll be back next week with the fourth episode of Blackout, Time Passes.